Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Welcome everyone. So our um, our evening tonight, the topic that I wanted to explore or continue exploring um, is um, this process of purification that I talked about a couple of weeks ago before Thanksgiving. I hope you had a really good Thanksgiving and felt connected to the blessings in your life. Um, but um, we'll now continue with this, uh, this theme of the process of purification and um, invited Eve um, to lead us in a song to start it. So Eve, everybody else, make sure you're muted. And um, Eve, take it away. Thank you, James. Um, yeah, the process of purification when I um, have been through it in the intensive way that one can do on retreat, it's not always easy. Um, coming face to face with our own formations, our own habits and conditioning and letting it run through and making different choices. Um, and I read James when um, in the in the in the email that you send out weekly for the tonight's topic that you're going to speak about the three pillars. And um, I think I could be wrong about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, James, but I think that the three pillars are generosity, virtue, and meditation. Is that right? No, you're muted. All right. Yes, you're right. Donna, that is right? Donna C. Labavana. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, so then I look through my my songs to see what speaks to these to these ideas of the pillars and purification. And I actually wrote a song um, in 2005 when I was writing or co-writing a whole 10 songs on the paramis or the paramitas. I wrote a song on the parami of virtue or virtuous ethical, um, you know, ethics. Um, and um, this song speaks to some to both to the question of purification, to the pillars, and also to the effort, the right effort that it can sometimes entail to move through the process of purification. You know, it's not like we get to just um, click our heels together three times and then we're we're home in in freedom. It's a it's a long road. So uh, this song is called Virtue. What truly brings happiness, power, fortune, fame? Striving for security, the ego's crazy game. We've been misled, we've been confused by greed's temptress, hatred's fire. The fruit of happiness does not lie in seeking our desire. Do no harm to other living beings, don't let on steal, no use. Hurt no one with your sexuality and you're on your way to virtue. Why pursue an ethical life? What's the big allure? Virtue itself won't bring material wealth. Just a heart that's pure Purity's more than it seems It's the seed of serenity The strength to respond to suffering the eyes to notice beauty Do no harm to other living beings Don't let on steal, no use Hurt no one with the sexuality Trembling for the welfare of all living beings, consider each one kin. But if I've got habits from lifetimes and lifetimes, where do I begin? Can feel like swimming upstream every day, 
pick a fight But I will do what I know to be true I will do what I know to be right Do no harm to other living beings Don't let or steal, don't use Hurt no one with your sexuality And you're on your way to virtue Thanks, Eve. Beautiful. And uh, I highly recommend, by the way, the album that uh, that song is on, uh, which I've played many times, um, called Perfections on Commentaries of the Heart. Is that it? Or Commentaries on Perfections yeah. of the Heart. That's, that's it. Commentaries on Perfections of the Heart. And that's um, the, the 10 perfections that are also known as paramis or paramitas. Um, and uh, a really great album. So I wanted to talk tonight on um, this process of purification in terms of uh, three pillars of Dharma. Um, the last time we were together, um, I spoke about purification in terms of refinement of mind. Perhaps if you were here, you might remember the various impurities, uh, the, the, uh, the simile of the, the goldsmith um, purifying and getting out the gross impurities and then the, the subtler ones and then the dross and then uh, until finally it was, uh, it, the gold can be um, turned into any shape. And this is a, another kind of purification um, paradigm from the teachings three things that are really the foundation of, or the, the cause of the process of purification to start and, uh, and continue on. Um, so I'll get to each of these three pillars. Hopefully we can make it all in, in the time and, and leave some time for conversation. Um, it was just Thanksgiving. As I said, I hope you all had a really wonderful Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is a time, uh, if you're like me, you probably um, not only look at all your, uh, all the blessings, but um, what I often do is look back on my life and say, wow, how did I get so fortunate to have the life that I live? Not everybody lives, lives a privileged life that I do, and probably many of you do, but besides the physical conditions to encounter the Dharma and to practice and to keep developing the heart and the mind, when I look back on my life, it was like I was walking through a minefield in my earlier days so many different choice points and circumstances that could have turned my life in a whole different direction. Things that happened that uh, I could have gotten bitter about or completely shut down. Things that I did, especially in my younger days, you know, late teens, in my 20s, I, wow, how did I do that? And that I could have been, just could have had a whole different turn in my life. I don't know if that's so for you, uh, but I, I think of it as just amazing grace that somehow I've headed in the right direction and I've been on this journey. And maybe before I go on, you might just reflect on your own life. How about you looking back? How many different places, different moments, different events that could have turned your heart closed or gotten you in trouble or 
had some irrevocable damage that would have turned you away from the Dharma. And yet here you are. Amazing. Amazing. Emaho, they say in, uh, in the Tibetan. How amazing, how marvelous. Now, you know, of course, dukkha comes to everyone, but how you respond to it or react when it comes your way, uh, it could be, like I said, bitterness, or it could turn into um, uh, railing against life, or it can turn into humility and, and transform into compassion. And it's said that it's not an accident this process and this journey that we're on, that if you relate to karma, to cause and effect, there are reasons that not only that things happen to us, but the likelihood of our responding in a way that leads onward. And before I go on, I just want to say karma is a tremendously complex Thing. The Buddha called it one of the four imponderables. And if you try to figure out why something happened, you'll go crazy. So he said, don't even try. And it's not so much looking back and saying, oh, I must have been awful for this to happen to me. That doesn't, that has no value at all. It's rather, okay, this is what's led me to this moment. And now how can I use this going forward for my awakening. And obviously, whatever has happened to everybody on this line, you are facing in the right direction. So how does that happen? Also, one, one thing to interject also about karma is that it does not explain everything. That karma is one of five different laws that are operating, at least in the Buddhist cosmology. So uh, nothing, not everything is attributable to karma. Um, so I'll just kind of put that in as a little uh, side sidebar. But for the purposes of our talk, I'm going to speak in, in terms of the, this, these forces of purity that both create the good conditions in our life and conditions to hear the Dharma and then the forces of purity that allow us to practice the Dharma. And these are called paramis. Now, the word parami, like I just said in introducing, uh, mentioning about Eve's album, there are 10 paramis called 10 perfections that the Buddha on his journey um, perfected and that we can all perfect starting with generosity and including uh, virtue and patience and uh, energy and wisdom. I don't know if I can name them all renunciation and um, um, determination and um, loving kindness and equanimity. I don't know if I got all 10, but that's the list that kind of goes through my mind. But this, in this um, talk, I'm talking about paramis in a different way than all of those 10. Because parami really means a, a force of purity in the mind and the heart that has results, has, um, has consequences in a good way. And there are two main paramis that lead us in the right direction and towards purification and awakening. And they are purity of conduct and purity of wisdom. There are two, two components of purity of conduct. Dana, generosity, and sila, or virtue, integrity. Um, and those two forces, when we develop them, 
create very good conditions in our life and even more consequential for the purposes of awakening expose us um, to the Dharma where we can hear the teachings. Now this is from a, a Theravadan um, early, uh, the, the words of the Buddha that have come down to us. This is the cosmology, how it's explained that these forces of purity, of generosity and integrity, um, virtue, ethics, give us good conditions and, and also expose us, allow us to hear the Dharma. And then the purity of wisdom, another parami, allows us not only to hear the Dharma, but to practice it and awaken. So I wanted to speak a, a bit about each of these three that are spoken of as pillars of the Dharma. You might think of it like a, a three-legged a three stool that you can sit on and practice. And if any one of those three legs are, is missing, um, it's not a solid foundation. But this is how the process works. And just to to mention, even to be born human is extraordinarily good karma. Out of all the, the beings in this world, the human realm is said to be the optimal one to wake up. Better than the animal realm or certainly the lower realms, which are hungry ghost realm and hell realm, and even better than the than the highest realms, the, the Titan realms and the Brahman, the, the uh, heavenly realms, because the human realm has the mixture of sorrow and joy. And out of all the beings on this planet to be born human is amazingly good fortune. The, <laughs> there's, a, there's a fact that's coming through my mind right now as I speak of um, that Wes Niska writes about in Buddha's nature. He says, there are more living beings in your mouth right now than there have been humans since the beginning of time. So when you think about it, it's pretty good, good amazing odds that somehow you lucked out and came into a human birth. Out of those six realms, to be born human is extraordinary enough, but to be born in a human realm and have good supportive conditions, which is amazing, made me think this Thanksgiving, just as I said, just how privileged we, we are. And on top of that, to hear and practice the Dharma, it's like, in the normal curve of human experience, this is amazingly rarefied good fortune. So what are we gonna do with that? Well, we'll get to that in a moment, but how did we come to this purity of conduct and the first parami or first element of that parami of conduct is dana, is generosity, which leads to good conditions in our life and to, um, to be exposed to, to the Dharma. So I'll say a few words about Dana. Generosity, as I said, the first of the 10 perfections. And it's really the currency of our caring it's a perfection. It feels so good when one knows the joy of generosity, then one sees the, feels the value, uh, the uplift, the wholesomeness of giving. And it's a way to both express the understanding of letting go and of realizing the interconnectedness that we share. I have a cup in my bathroom. That's one of 
uh, it's the last remaining of four cups that were given to me at my uh, uh, our wedding uh, in 1982. It's the last one remaining. Ajahn Chah says, oh, see, this cup is already broken. I've seen three of them break and there's one still there. And every time I pick up that cup, thank you, Roger. Thank you, Francis, my, my friends that, that gave me the, uh, gave us the wedding. And there it is. I feel connected to that, to, to them just through that cup. Think of a gift that somebody has given you in your, in your house. Maybe it's a, a favorite sweater or a, a vase or uh, something that you own. Can you think of something? Just thinking of it, do you feel that connection with, with that person or persons who gave you the gift? That's what stays. Um, I, I tell this story. Let me do my time. I tell this story. On, on one retreat, I uh, it was a three-month retreat, and somebody uh, and I was I was the dishwasher. It wasn't my favorite job, and I kind of was feeling sorry for myself as I had all these. I was the pot washer. All these pots stacked up, and the manager came out of the uh, out of the manager's office at IMS in those days. It was right next to the kitchen, and he looked at all the good what he thought the good work I was doing, not realizing that I was kind of feeling sorry for myself. And he had this piece of something wrapped in a, some tin foil, and he whispered. Here, this is for you. This is for your good work. And I, all of a sudden, okay, now I'm really going to get into my pot washing and finish cleaning up and all. And, and when I wipe my hands and all, and I opened up and there was this big piece of cheesecake with glaze and nuts on top of it. All. At this point in the retreat, an extra slice of bread at tea time was a big deal. And you, you start, you feel kind of, there's something about the practice that makes you feel generous, more expansive. And besides, it was a big piece. So I broke it into a few other pieces. I broke it into four pieces, one for me and one for three other of my fellow yogis. In those days, you had a, a place where you put your dishes and you had you you knew whose bowl was what on a three month retreat. It's you know you get to know. There's not that much else to to pay attention to. So I knew oh there's so and so's bowl. There's so and so's bowl, and I um, and I waited at tea time for each person to to look and as their eyes widened and their jaws dropped. Oh wow! And one person broke their piece in two and gave it to um, my now dear Dharma brother, Howie Cohn, was the, the last at the end of it. I ate my piece of cheesecake very mindfully, I can assure you. Took maybe about a minute and a half, two minutes or so. But after how many years now? F 41 years later, I still feel connected to, to five other people through one piece of cake. That's how it works. The, the, the generosity connects you and it feels great, whether it's in uh, support, like uh, that, that, that beautiful effort that John told us before when the, when the announcements were made, or in your energy or being there for people, in serving, it feels good to serve. When for you, think of the last time that generosity just spontaneously flowed through you. It might've been today or probably sometime in a recent past. Just remember, and remember just the spontaneity where it just arose because you wanted to share and feel connected. What a good feeling that is. This creates very, very good karma. And the Buddha talked about it. He said, you know, um, 
there are different levels of giving. There's what's called um, beggarly or mediocre giving, where you're debating, should I or shouldn't I? Oh, okay, I'll give. You know, I'll give that. I'll pass that sweater on that I haven't worn in five years. And then there's um, friendly giving, where you give the uh, what you would use. And then there's royal, queenly, or kingly giving, where you give the best of what you have to offer. Um, and you just have to be right where you are. So you practice more and more until it just becomes natural. You go from what's called prompted consciousness. Okay, I'll, I'll, I think it would be good to give to just unprompted where, oh, you, it's enjoyable. It's just, it feels great to give or to serve. Uh, knowing your limits, of course. So this is one source of tremendous um, good karma. It's the first thing that the Buddha taught, even before meditation or, uh, or, or effort or wisdom or, or morality, because it's something that we can all experience how good it feels. Okay, so now the other side of this purity of conduct that leads to good conditions is sila, ethics, living with integrity, the bliss of blamelessness. I love that, um, that phrase where you have nothing to hide or feel guilty about or feel um, that you will be found out. Just being honest and being kind, it feels good. First time I, uh, I did a long retreat, at the end of the retreat, uh, I knew people were going to ask me, well, what did you get from that? And it's too complicated to, or, and too much of a, of a bore to say, well, on this meditation, this happened, and this meditation happened. And I said, and I got in touch with what really happened was there was a part of me that realized it wasn't worth the ripples in my mind to act out of integrity. Now, that was, that was a very impactful understanding. And yet, as, as, as well as I knew that, there's a process of purification. So it's still, it's something that we're, we're perfecting. There might be a sudden understanding and a gradual cultivation. And so I always find it so interesting, this mysterious moment where you know if you send the email or say what you feel like, like, doing, uh, like doing something unskillful and you know, mm, this might not go so well and then you do it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had that moment? Here you are practicing the Dharma and then, oh my God, what did I do? How did I do that? Yeah. But hopefully it's, it's getting less and less. The early days, it was like, oh, who cares? But when you slow down and when mindfulness slows you down enough to really listen inside to that place inside that knows just in a in a, uh, um, exploring with a group earlier this week on, on the wholesome states of this place inside of you that knows mm, this isn't going to feel so good. What's called hiri, um, and what, what is translated as moral shame. Oh no, this isn't going to feel good. If I do this, Ooh, better not. Or moral dread, otapam. Oh, this is what's going to happen. If I do, it's not going to be pretty. If you slow down enough, then you can catch it before the act rather than after. But the Buddha has this very beautiful discourse to his son, advice to Rahula, one of my favorite discourses, Majima Nikaya number 61, if you like looking at those things, where he says, you might be um, wanting to, to say something or act in a way that, um, uh, that you're not sure the result. He says, check before you speak or act, how is this gonna feel? And if you see, this is gonna lead to suffering, 
don't do it. Okay, but then he says, you might not catch yourself until you're in the middle of the act or the words. And if you can catch yourself, mm, I'm feeling myself getting riled up and uh, wait, this might not be such a good thing. Let me just pause. And he says, if you can catch yourself, if this is going to lead to suffering, why go there? But then he continues on the most beautiful part of the sutta, the, the one that makes you feel, breathe a little bit easier. He says, if you've blown it and there you are, you've done something unskillful, it's not too late to learn. He says, reflect on what you've done and how it feels and see, mm, this didn't feel so good. There's a whole lot of cleaning up to do now. And he says, rather than getting caught up in guilt, apply what he calls wise remorse in seeing, oh, when I do this, it doesn't feel good. I'm going to act in a different way in the future. That's very different from guilt, which just perpetuates the self-punishment. Yeah, I am a really rotten person. Yeah, or you just go ahead and confirm what a rotten guy you are, rotten gal you are, by doing something stupid as a kind of self-punishment. That's how it bizarrely operates often, where we do unskillful things because we're so confused and don't like ourselves or disconnected with ourselves. He says, apply wise remorse and commit to doing it better the next time. If you can make amends and apologize or speak to a, to somebody that you respect, a wise elder, so you're not holding it inside, but learn, as one of my, uh, my teachers says, as long as you're learning, there are no mistakes. So this is the, the second one of these forces of purity where you little by little start cleaning up your act. And the mindfulness practice helps you do that because it slows you down and you can see, and you can see where this is leading to where it's not. And instead, and the, the five precepts, of course, are the good container for this, not killing, not stealing, not causing harm through sexuality, not causing harm through our speech, not causing harm through abusing intoxicants, but there are positive aspects, what I call habits of happiness, not killing, feeling how good it feels to honor all life and to respect all life, not stealing, that is feeling the joy of generosity, of sharing, not causing harm through sexuality, that is, um, not exploiting and being a safe, safe haven for, for those in, uh, who, who might feel uh, objectified instead of, um, instead of exploitation. Not causing harm through our speech that is speaking kindly and useful in a, uh, in a skillful way and not causing harm through abusing intoxicants, honoring a clear mind and a healthy body. These are all habits of happiness. And these forces of purity, these paramis of conduct, dana and sila, lead to conditions where you are exposed to the dharma. And then the parami of wisdom is the one where you actually practice and you actually see for yourself what all of these teachings are about. It's one thing to have good conditions or to read a book on, on Buddhist meditation and say, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. I, I think that's, I, I agree with that. It's a whole other to practice for yourself and embody and learn more and more the, the profound wisdom that's accessible to you when you look inside. 
and see for yourself as it's as the 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 teachings say, hey, pasiko, come and see for yourself. And when you look inside, what you see are liberating understandings. You see for yourself how everything is coming and going, how it's all impermanent, the truth of Anicca, how in this impermanent reality, there is nothing to hold on to that can give you lasting happiness. The truth of dukkha, trying to hold on to that which is changing. And you see that you too are this changing experience, this flow of life, the the understanding of anatta, the selfless nature of experience, where you see that life isn't happening just to you, life is happening through you. And when you understand and you see for yourself, so it's not just an idea, but when you see you are not separated from the rest of life, you are the web of interconnectedness operating right through you with all of the billions of organisms in your, in your mouth or your belly or all of life that is constantly received by you and transmitting to you. Uh, that's why in our COVID reality, it's so different when we're disconnected from the hugs and the, the normal operating of connection. Why we feel lonely when we, uh, when we are disconnected for too long. Why it's so important in these days to maintain the connection through our screens if we're not fortunate enough to have others around. We need each other. We are connected with each other. We, life feeds on itself and is expressing itself through you. And that's where this purity of wisdom is more than just thoughts, more than just um, good philosophy, but something to be experienced for yourself. And this is a gradual process, as I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that even once you understand and see, you first hear the Dharma, and then little by little you understand the Dharma more and more, and then you realize deep understandings and truths, you realize the Dharma, and then you become the Dharma. Then you are an expression of the Dharma. And as long as you're facing in the right direction. It's not a race. It's not a, a sense of, oh, I think I'm backsliding now. Uh-oh, I must have really blown it. Because part of the deal is seeing how when you do blow it, you can wake up. Oh, I know better now. And so as long as you're committed to facing in the right direction, particularly once you've been fortunate enough to have opportunities to start your meditation practice and deepen it, all you need to do is continue to practice understanding that dana, that generosity and sila, an ethical life, are the foundations that keep the wheel turning more and more and more. And once you have a commitment to keep going, as uh, the, the great Korean uh, master Sun Sanim used to say, only go straight, only go straight, only keep on facing in that direction. And the purification process happens all by itself. All you need to do is show up with intention and integrity and patience and life will keep on unfolding in that way that not only helps you awaken but you become an agent of awakening for everyone else in your life
you just pass it on. So I'll stop here and just see if there's uh, any questions, any comments, anything that you want to uh, bring up, you can raise your hand or use the, uh, just unmute yourself if you'd like and, um, and, and you can jump in. That might be a simpler way since it's two pages. Anybody want to bring something up? Gaia, hi, uh, unmute yourself, yeah. Hi, James, thank you. Um, I, I'm wondering about something about Donna and something that I heard in the teaching, and I'm not sure if it was through Joseph Goldstein. Um, he spoke about how the, like, the highest form of Donna and the highest form of, um, you know, of good karma was to give or serve to, um, you know, an evolved teacher, um, you know, somebody that's very evolved in, in the, the teachings. And, and I always thought that it like, what I always thought was that it would be somebody that has nothing. So I would have thought that serving, like, say, someone that is homeless and or addicted, because that's where I see like the most profound suffering. And so I've just always wondered about that. I've been meaning to ask you for a long time, but, and now this opportunity. So thank you so much for the teachings. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say other than that's in, in, in the teachings, uh, the, the Buddha, and particularly given that his whole monastic tradition was one of a begging bowl out and that because the teachings wouldn't be sustained if those teach if those that were offering it weren't around um it made it makes sense in that way well if you don't support those who are giving offering the dharma uh, they were the, they were the ones nowadays you can go online and just put in Dharma in your uh, in your Google and you'll get you know 10 million responses it's much more available uh, so I would say if it's a choice between uh, giving to a, a giving to those in deep need or giving to um, a, a, a good spiritual uh, inspiration teacher uh, give where you're, where there's joy and your heart is moved to give and feel good about that. This world has so much suffering. And so you want to find where that your own generosity of heart can make the, the most difference. That makes so much sense. Thank you. Thanks. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? No questions, comments, anything about practice, if you wanted to bring up about your meditation practice as well, we can just open it up. I have a question. Yeah. Hi, Phil. Hi, James. So um, every day I wonder, like, what is the goal? Is it to be like a human who doesn't really mind that you're suffering that much and is kind of awakened or is it to escape the bondage of being embodied and being on some other, either a celestial plane or outside of time space altogether. So, you know, in terms of following all the lists, I wonder <laughs> what's the goal of all the lists? Is it to escape the cycle of rebirth? Or be like a happy guy, or I mean, you know, like it's the the whole cosmology is. Uh, I'm still trying to develop uh, an opinion about it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and what about for you? Uh, 
I think, you know, I, I'm trying to like suffer as little as possible, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, don't go down that road. That road didn't work. Don't fall in that pothole. So like yeah. I quit drinking beer, that worked pretty well, you know? Um, and I don't really think that as a, a limited intellect, I can even speculate as to what's going to happen when I don't have a body. I don't think I can plan. I don't, I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, checking off each item on the list is going to help me any. Uh, the guy behind me just passed away a couple weeks ago and the lady downstairs four years ago. And, mm. you know, so I'm, it's more and more difficult to deny that at some point I won't have a body anymore, you know, but um, that's an important factor exactly. to consider. Yeah. So the old age and death are creeping up, you know, um, but I, I don't, I'm well, so I'm reading um, uh, Joseph Goldstein, mm -hmm. uh, mindfulness. I really, I, he talks about unworldliness. Mm -hmm. Interesting idea yeah. there when I'm upset at people, Trump people, or a guy that doesn't think that the COVID thing is, he thinks it's a hoax. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I get upset, I go, well, is this a worldly thing or an unworldly thing that I'm upset about? You know, oh, that's worldly, never mind. So um, yeah, I do, but I actually do waste my time speculating on this type of thing. So uh, that, that's, that's a very good, <laughs> there's, there's the line I would <laughs> that, that, that's the most important one. Don't waste your time speculating. That the Buddha actually warned a lot against wasting your time speculating. You know, there's a whole there's cosmology. There's there's things that in the teachings. I don't know. Actually, if you if one one book by Joseph is called uh, One Dharma, where he he said, well, the Tibetans say this and the Theravans say this, and they they're conflict. Who's to say what's right? And he finally just said, who knows? Hmm. And the Buddha warned against speculating. So whether or not you know, your Phil is bringing up the the idea that. A fully enlightened being, once they are, uh, once they die, uh, they don't return. They're off the cycle of samsara, and that is said by some to be the goal. The Buddha talked about it as as the complete goal, the the full enlightenment, and then you don't you don't walk this wheel anymore, turn this wheel anymore. However, in other you know, the Tibetans would say, you keep on coming back, and that's just as profound. You keep on coming back until all beings are free of suffering. So who knows? That's where the important thing, at least for me, as I was saying in this talk, apropos, is I'm just facing in the right direction. And whatever happens is going to happen. I lead my life as uh, as, as best as I can, and uh, try to try to be as um, sincere and and uh, uh, and dedicated to awakening as I can. And if I don't return, I don't return. If I do return, I, I'll get to that point when when I get to that point. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm facing in the right direction. And I must say that for myself, I've had different motivations over all these years. At some, at some point, it was enlightenment or bust. I'm going for it. And, and I nearly killed myself, you know, in that. Because you, know? uh, you can't watch yourself get enlightened. That's uh, an oxymoron. And then at some point, I, it became, I just want to continue to purify this heart and this mind. And, and then at other times, it was, oh, this moment is all there is. This moment, if I'm free of greed, hatred, and delusion, it's a moment of enlightened activity, as Suzuki Roshi would say. And so whatever one really speaks to you and really inspires you to be present with kindness and goodwill in your heart, the Dharma will keep on unfolding as it does and you're facing in the right direction. I'll settle for that. Thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, let's see, uh, it might be a little bit uh, too, would you like to, would you like to do a, a, a closing dedication, uh, Eve? Sure, we can sing the dedication of merit. Okay. Just as you do, before you do, I, I, I want to uh, encourage you this week to just play around with integrity and generosity as the, the wheels that spin, that keep, your, keep you going in the right direction and realize how fortunate we all are to hear the Dharma and practice it and share it with, with everyone in your life and for the benefit of all. So. May every living being, our minds as one and radiant with light. Share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving, unity. May our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward. May all who sorrow leave our grief and pain. May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night because our hearts are one this world of pain turns into paradise may all become compassionate and wise may all become compassionate